We've all heard the bloody legends of some of history's most notorious and polarizing figures. From Vlad the Impaler killing over 60,000 people, with 20,000 of them being impaled, to the rumors of Elizabeth Bathory torturing and murdering hundreds of innocent girls. And then there are legends like the one of today. A satanic cannibal bandit whose morbid story involves confessing to the brutal murder of over 500 victims. With 24 of them being pregnant women who he killed for their fetuses. It was said that he was a master black magician who could transform himself into a cat, dog, or goat. A power which led to him having a steady diet of human fetuses, whose hands and feet he kept with him at all times. Rumored to be Germany's most reviled criminal during his lifetime, raping and pillaging his way through Europe for over 15 years, his legacy is as black as the magic he practiced. The story of his life covers everything from cannibalism to infanticide, everything that made him the terrifying, mud-evil boogeyman that he was. So join me today as we learn about the lesser-known, but no less horrifying, Peter Deers. He's talking and I'm not, and I'm just... <sighs> <sighs> And then I'm talking. <laughs> no, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! You get shot down. Now you just fucking. <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the mood. Shit's what we do. Wow. To talk about Peter, we have to start from the beginning, from before he was born to paint a better picture on understanding where he came from and how he came to be. So Peter Niers was born in 16th century Germany to a peasant family during the German Peasants War, where peasant armies stormed the castles of the wealthy, the monasteries, and even cities. Starting in 1524 and abruptly ending in 1525 because of the intense opposition, the poorly armed peasants and farmers lost close to 300,000 men. The survivors were fined and almost came out empty-handed when it came to their ultimate goal. Historians disagree on the reasons for the revolt. Some believe it was caused because too many wealthy peasants were seeing their own wealth and rights slip away due to being seen as second class by many in society, while others believe peasants and farmers did not want to be a part of the modernizing and centralizing of the state. Many farmers and peasants wanted to increase their liberty by changing their status from serf, which were basically indentured servants, in order to climb the social hierarchy. A great example of peasants wanting to be treated as equals was when a group of peasants refused to get on their hands and knees to search and collect snail shells so that the queen could wind her thread. During and after the war, crime went up and the quality of life diminished for several reasons, such as the increase in poverty. 
For example, the population of Wales grew from 2.9 million to 4.5 million, which caused more demand for food, clothing, housing, and work. Then the economy was hit with inflation, which meant wages were worth less. Bad harvests caused the prices of food to steeply rise, while many farmers switched from growing crops to keeping sheep, which meant that there was less need for laborers, meaning more unemployment. And to top it off, Henry VIII had closed all monasteries in England and Wales, which took away the only help many desperate poor folk had. Because so many were unable to find work, many were forced into begging for food and money, and often resorted to stealing and fraud. Vagabonds and rogues, as they were called, became a common hustle for many of those out of work. Many swindled and tricked people into getting money. Some of the tricks used by the vagabonds and rogues were as follows. The angler. The angler would use a hooked stick to reach into people's houses to steal. Then there were the counterfeit cranks, who would pretend to suffer from ailing sicknesses. Then the clapper dudgeons, who would tie arsenic to their skin to make it bleed in order to attract sympathy while begging. And then there were the Tom O'Bedlams, who pretended to be crazy in order to attract donations through pity. No surprise though, when it comes to talking about Peter Nears and his early upbringing, that murder was the second leading crime based on the court records of that time period, at 18%, only behind theft at 73 The early life of Peter is mostly shrouded in mystery, but things pick up for him during the period in which groups of thieves littered the roads. Nears formed his gang of bandits in France after being inspired and mentored by Martin Steer, a murderer who organized 48 men into a gang of bandits who was eventually killed in 1572 after 22 years of killing and pillaging. Peter took after Martin and for the next couple of years he and his gang of highwaymen terrorized the countryside as they stole and murdered travelers on remote highways. During those days, roads leading out of town would often cut through dense woods and mountains, which were filled with plenty of nooks and crannies for villains to hide in. Peter's attacks became so calculated that at a moment's notice, the gang would split up to target smaller victims or band together to take down larger ones, eventually becoming emboldened enough to march to towns and villages to murder, rape, and attack for every piece of good available. Peter's gang would travel hundreds of miles across Germany, France, Rhineland, and Bavaria, creating a widespread network of crime that stories of their actions actually became warnings across Europe and helped create the lore that is the legend of Peter Nears. 
A child growing up during a revolution that created a general resentment towards the wealthy shaped Nier's formative years. Growing up to grapple with his own identity and beliefs on a regular basis, what he did not receive was a young man he found in the underworld. Power, prestige, wealth, and acceptance. Peter managed to create for himself what the universe could not, a life. Peter was now his own master. He answered to no one but himself and was able to chase any and all of his desires, no matter to what end. But eventually all things must come to an end, and in 1577, Nears and a couple members of his gang were captured after 11 years of rape and pillaging. It is rumored that it was one of Peter's accomplices that turned them in. Peter confessed to over 75 murders while under torture, with many of his victims checking out with several counts of missing women throughout Europe. But somehow, Peter managed to escape and avoid being executed. It was soon after this that the stories of his reign of terror became infamous tales of gore. Everything from books to songs about him were sung and sold, which featured everything evil and macabre under the fullest moon. Cannibalism, black magic, and supernatural abilities. It was under these circumstances that Peter Nears went from petty criminal to devilish fiend. Joe Onwick, credited to being the first true crime reporter, claims that Peter summed the devil in the woods near France to make a deal. And it was because of this deal with the devil that Peter was able to achieve the monstrosities he did during his lifetime. It was also because of Johan that we learned that Peter and other black magic practitioners from the Zera used candles from the skin and fat of a fetus to grant the user the power of invisibility. Here's a small excerpt pulled from the book, Crime and Culture in Early Modern Germany, that goes a little more in depth with Peter and the devil. The roving killer Peter Nyers and his gang appeared in a number of accounts, several without demonic content. Johann Wick followed Nyers' career with horror. According to a song from 1577 Nyers learned the art of invisibility from an earlier arch-murdered Martin Stier. Both Stier and Nier confessed to killing pregnant women. Each had ripped a malfetus from the mother's body, cut off its hands and ate his heart. Nyers escaped in 1577 only to be arrested and executed four years later in 1581. According to legend, he was caught only because he was separated from his sack containing his magical materials and so he could not turn invisible. Here the capture is considered to be an act of God, but the devil gets no credit for the killings. It's on another pamphlet printed two years after his death where they blame the devil for the black magic and the 544 murders, the pamphlet explains the diabolical reason for the mutilation of fetuses, here the devil makes an explicit pact with the killers and promises them supernatural powers from the fetal black magic. Uses of fetal parts for magic appeared more widely in folklore without explicit links to the devil. 
Thieves were said to concoct infant flesh into magic candles that would allow them to rob houses without awaking the inhabitants. The association with the devil was likely inspired by the contemporary upsurge of witch prosecutions. The devil's relationship with the murderous roaming bands of bandits mirrored his relationship with witches. The bandits were required to renounce Christianity and wash off their baptism in return for supernatural aid in committing crimes and escaping justice. Once they had accepted him as master, the devil forced them to murder even beyond their will, feeding huge totals of crimes like witches, they too became tools in his hands. According to these pamphlets and stories that were passed around during this time, Peter maintained a steady diet of cannibalizing fetuses in order to transform himself into a log, stone, or animal. It was when Peter went from bandit to black magician that Peters acquired the taste for infanticide. And it was because of this that while on the run, Peter was able to change his appearance and thus escape being captured. Among many of his disguises was the leper, goat, and the soldier. Known to always carry with him money, two pistols, and a broadsword, it was rumored that no matter the form, there were just a few distinctive things that he could never change, like his crooked fingers or the scar on his chin. But finally, in 1581, Peter's reign as a satanic cannibalistic bandit came to an appropriate but disturbing end. By this time, Nears was known all across Europe, but his ending was a result of his hubris, as one day he tried to hide in plain sight. This night, he stopped at a lodge called The Bells and asked the local innkeeper to hold his belongings. Amongst them, his leather pouch. While Peter went off to take his bath, the townspeople started to whisper amongst themselves, asking one another if that really was Peter Nears. So they confronted the innkeeper to open the leather pouch, and to their horror, inside the pouch were the dried hearts and hands of fetuses. Realizing whose possessions they had, the townspeople banded together and captured Peter in the bathhouse, and captured him pretty easily. The authorities and others close to Peter believed he was able to be captured so easily because he was separated from his magical items. And this is with a confession of his total kill count of 544, including 24 pregnant women, came to light. But Nears got a taste of his own medicine after his arrest, as he was tortured for three whole days. The first day, his flesh was skinned from his body and hot oil was poured into the wounds. 
on the second day. Nears' feet were greased and held above burning coals in an effort to roast him alive. And on the final day, Nears was dragged through the streets and strapped to the braking wheel, where he received 42 bone-breaking blows. Rumors have it, though, that Nears did not die after the wheel, and many think it was due to a deal with the devil. So the executioner took his axe and hacked off Peter's limbs one by one, which ultimately and finally put an end to Peter Nears. Many historians have come to question if what we know about Peter Nears is fact or fiction. What details of his life are reliable and which parts were added to his lore? Things start to get even more complicated when you begin to realize the similarities between other boogeymen of the era. Peter Stump was also known for eating babies and also made a pact with the devil. And Chris Mangan Pertanga allegedly killed over 900 people, and he too was executed at the wheel, almost identical to Peter. Could Chrisman's story be a combination of Peter and other murderers of his time? Is Peter Nears just a watered-down version of a true devil like Chrisman, if his story and kill count are to be believed? Fortunately, or unfortunately, I should say, there seems to be no accounts that claim Peter was fake, and his victim count appears legitimate, as we found out when they were cross-referenced during his first capture. Pretty wild to say out loud, but Peter Nears could very well be one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. A true medieval boogeyman.